where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Happy New Year. It is early January here in the drop zone. I am joined by Dylan DeChair first and foremost, and then a little bit later by James Colgan and Luke Curtinine. Dylan, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Sean. I hope that 2021 was everything that you dreamed of and the 2022 is just going to be even better. Well, today uh, we're starting it off, I think, in a, in a fun way. We tend to do this year after year. We start with bold predictions, things that uh, we think will happen now over the course of the next 12 months. We're generally wrong, I think. <laughs> like, I don't think we've actually been correct about any of these in the past. Um but I think they're a lot of fun and they're all kind of based off of what we know right now for pro golf. And then later on, we're going to transition to, I think what I think is going to be like maybe the most fun recurring segment and golf nerdy segment. Uh, I think for the rest of the year on the drop zone, it is PGA tour stock exchange. It is a game that I guess we made up. I made up over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, it's a, we're taking a cue from the Ryan Rosillo podcast in which they have quarterback stocks. They draft and buy and sell and hold quarterback stocks over the course of the year. This is going to be way more fun. Why? Well, because PGA Tour players kind of have stock prices on the world golf ranking. So we're going to use that and create a really fun game that I think, honestly, people will follow along with, Dylan. So if you're hyped, I hope so. I'm hyped. Let's bring in James Colgan and Luke Curtinine. Two take smiths, take artists, two guys. Uh, I, I think Luke probably has the hottest takes maybe in our on our golf staff. James <laughs> is the youngest take smith, so he's got fresh Aspiring takes. Aspiring take artist. Yeah, modern takes. Gentlemen, uh, Luke, let's start with you. Thanks for joining. What is your bold prediction for the 2022 calendar year? I think we're shaping up in 2022 for it to be a real time of disruption to like the real structures within golf. Um, so along that theme, my prediction is that 2022 is going to be the year that we see a breakaway governing body led by the players. Okay. And so Ooh. I think there is some inklings of this starting to happen in a few different ways, right? I'm not speaking from, uh, players telling me this or anything, but we see Phil Mickelson, for instance, like taking to social media, really trying to rally the troops along this, these lines, right? Really mad about them shortening the driver length thing. Um, and then we're starting to see some players come to his support a little bit. So he could be the de facto insurgent leader. But more importantly, the reason for this is that we're starting, you know, we're starting to see not just the PGA Tour, but emerging tours that are tempting players away, um, which could, in theory, have more player power within them and thereby, like, cater more towards what players want. And we're going to need some kind of umbrella, you know, body that's going to need to police this across all these different tours. And the players are going to want it to be themselves, to be able to govern not just the rules of the game, which are kind of increasingly under this discussion all sorts of stuff but also just the nature of what a pro golfer can do across these different tools it sounds like you're discussing like unionization a player's union is that fair take yeah sort of um yeah but i think it's going to be a little less you know i don't think it's quite going to be a union as much because i don't think you don't have buy-in for instance that everybody should be you know, playing one tour or the other. So that might be a divisive issue, but you are starting to see buy-in among players saying things like, well, everybody should be allowed to choose because we're independent contractors. You know, Rory said that the other day. I think Tiger might have said it the other day. Everyone too. says it. Even though they're on opposite sides of this, like, should we go play in the Super League issue, right? And so you're also starting to see different things about like some people, uh, you know, you basically have like these hipster golf Twitter mafia warriors being pretty pro rollback <laughs> teaming up with like the boomer types uh wanting to roll back things but then you have a lot of players saying no don't roll back stuff this is ridiculous like rory McIlroy is anti is like an anti-rollback guy right and so if you have this small vocal minority of golf elites really is what they are say pushing this like you know equipment change like roll back the ball thing 
suddenly you're isolating someone like Rory McIlroy. He was like pro PGA Tour, anti rollback, pro players choice. They're like, you're starting to get into like all these different categories where like you're putting in like a top name player against the current governing body who wants this other thing. And then there's this sort of yeah. PGA Tour issue. So I think there's going to need to be some organization there and it's going to come down on the side of the, of the players who ultimately can control their own destiny. Well, that is, what is interesting about that is there is already a player's advisory council, a, a player's uh, board b- held and operated within the PGA Tour. Like Jordan Spieth and Charlie Hoffman are, and Kevin Kisner are on the player's board. I think James Hahn is on it. And there's the advisory council. I might even be mixing these two things up where there's Rory McIlroy is, is the, the PAC chairman. And I believe... Hmm. I think John Rahm is on it. Like it's it's this widespread array of players. I believe um, there's like lower ranked players too. Like they have to come from different chunks of the top, you know, 150 in the FedEx Cup. So there is like there is things in place for some type of player argument board union thing. The thing is, Luke, there's just so much like. I think now would be the worst time for it is kind of my point is there's such disarray. There's so many options that you can go out and play. You can play all over the the world. It's really, really hard for all these competing interests to kind of come together. And even it's difficult to have these guys even elect the people that they really want to lead the charge. So I don't know who leads it. Maybe it's some champions tour player. Maybe it's someone like, gosh, Trevor Immelman, who's like still really connected to the game has, you know, he's he's the President's Cup captain for the international team, so he connects with all these people from across the world. I don't know. I think it's a strong take. I really like it. Well, but I it might be, like, well, might be the timing might be way off. Well, I don't know, though, Sean, to be honest. Like, the unifying thread among pros is that they shouldn't tell us what to do, right? Yeah. Like, as, as much as I can see it, that's what pros will generally think. And then some of them will have opinions um, on all different stuff, but... You know, USG has been two years into regulating, into doing this distance report, for instance, and all it's like an open secret of at some point, this is like prepping the stage for some kind of, you know, equipment and taking a closer look at equipment. That's going to divide all sorts of, that's effectively going to drive a wedge between like players that using their equipment, the people paying their bills to use their equipment, and also, you know, the USG who's governing some of the events that play in, that they play in. Um, and I think that in some ways that in, in modeling through in creating all these different questions, which pros have to answer, pros can come down on the side of don't tell me what to do. We should have a say over our own equipment. If we if the driver shaft gets shortened, it's because we said if the ball doesn't get rolled back, it's because we said that's what I think the players will naturally want to default to because they won't like the idea of you know, golf, you know, just random golf sort of influencer types. I mean, influence is the wrong word, but like, you know, just like golf experts really is how they consider them. Like amateur golfers, why are they telling pros what to do? That's like what is like a pro response sort of thing. I got a question for you, Luke. Yeah. How does this involve like players, uh, a player strike of the PGA Tour? Is there a walkout here? Is there a renegotiation of terms? Are we talking about, oh, you yeah. know, like looking for a higher cut of, of prize money because you know I've heard players you know kind of mutter about that talk about the percentages of revenue that that golfers get versus NBA players or or NFL players like are we talking about rebellion against the PGA Tour establishment or against like the USGA well I think it's I see it more as a against the current governing body so like a USGA thing um because the way at least I'm seeing something like this play out is that golf as an industry has like really opened a can of worms with this equipment stuff. They kind of have been looking at the distance insight report for years and years, yet they'll shorten the driving length chart and ban green books. And they're doing all this stuff basically just on who a small group of people think should happen. And I think players are going to start is saying like, you're going too far with this. Like, I don't want my driver short. There's no evidence to say that this is hurting this you know now growing game of golf uh, at the amateur level yet you're telling us that you know we have to so that's where i see the divide coming is that on issues like slow play uh distance equipment you can use 
Um, if somebody gets banned from the PGA Tour for trying to do something else, that's mm. when they can step and say, no, you can't ban players. So I don't know what the ramifications of that would be, but basically it's almost like a separate like set of rules that pros uh, will want to govern themselves. Um, and I think the, the only compromise you may have is that players have more involvement in the current rule book. But increasingly, it seems like the interests are actually diverging. Um, pros want a different thing than what kind of USJ types want. Um, Luke strikes and, me as uh, anti-rollback. Is that fair to say? I think that Luke is projecting some of his views on PGA Tour players here, but I, that doesn't necessarily mean he's wrong either. I'm definitely like very anti-rollback. <laughs> Like definitely, um, but I don't know. Like, go tell, go pull up a player, go pull up a bunch of players, and prove me wrong, then, Dylan. Like seriously, because uh, I don't. The, the vibe I get from PJ Tour players is not one where they're like, "Yeah, let's like shorten this golf ball thirty yards." Like that is not yeah. what they want. And even that's not the vibe against a, like a very full of thinking guy like Rory. I think you're correct that that's where that that's how a lot of PJ Tour players feel. I also think that that doesn't necessarily mean they're they're right. I mean, I think some of the lines that you see from these doesn't guys mean you're is that, right either, though, Dylan. And the problem is, is that <laughs> they have more power than you. Oh, they definitely they, do, they, as they, they should. Say you're trying, you're you're wrong, but you're trying to make us play under your rules, whereas we want to play under our rules and we're the stars. That's the argument, right? Like that's what they're saying, yes. and that's where I think this is gonna this is gonna lead to the players saying, no, no. The pros are going to play under the pros' rules. And then, like, that's going to become the default. It's going to turn into this little war over this issue. Yeah. Well, if, the, if, if it all happens, if Luke's bold prediction becomes a reality, there will be lawyers. There will be endless lawyers. There will be hundreds and thousands of, of lawyers probably involved in what would be an independent contractor total of, like, 200-plus and all of all – of, their legal teams getting involved. Let's get James involved. Luke, thank you for your bold prediction. James, let's move on to your bold prediction. What do you have for us? Well, if there's a labor dispute this year, uh, that could have that could have some ramifications on my bold prediction. <laughs> so I'd like to just put that put that qualifier out before we start. Um, but yeah, so my bold prediction this year is uh, maybe a little bit less big picture than Luke's, um, but. It is as follows. Daniel Berger is the next first-time major winner in golf. What major does he win? Um, I was thinking this. I didn't want to say it. I was thinking it. He's going to win the Masters. Wow. I, yeah. I was. I really was. I was thinking it. I think it suits his game really well. I'm looking into um, investments right now. James, continue. <laughs> I uh, Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big believer. It seems like every few years on the PGA Tour, someone in golf wins a major where they come kind of out of nowhere. But then in the aftermath of the major, you look at the underlying numbers and you say, oh, that's weird. He actually was much more of a threat to win than maybe he was given credit for. I don't think anyone is picking Daniel Berger to win a major right now or I really don't think he's a popular pick, at least when it comes time to make those selections. But take a look at some of the underlying numbers. He's 28 right now, ostensibly entering what is the prime of his golf career. Um, he's also at the point in his career where he's logged top 15 finishes in all four majors and top 10s in three of the four. Yeah, that's true. Um, then we look at more of the contextual information of his career so far. Look at his wins, especially his recent wins at Pebble Beach uh, this past year at the Charles Schwab in 2020. Those wins weren't just like wins in PGA Tour events. They were wins where he either held someone off or chased someone down on Sunday to win. That's the sort of skill and like quality that you need in your game, I think, to be a major champion. Then look at some of the other stats as well. He was 11th on tour in strokes gained total this year. Uh, his putting is a pretty good, pretty much good enough to be a major champion. His, his play off the tee is totally fine. His only struggle is with his short game, which yes, I realized could eat him up at Augusta national. Um, but I, I still feel like when I watch him play, I see someone who has sort of like the nails in his ball striking the nails in his ability off the tee to sort of make up for whatever those other uh, indiscrepancies might be. Also, I just watch his game from just a pure 
I test mental standpoint and I'm like, yeah, no, this is the guy like he's, he's going to do this. You watched him in the Ryder cup. He was nails that whole week as a first time player. He looked like he was more comfortable than Brooks Kepka did, who was his partner and has way more Ryder cup experience than he does. I don't think he's scared of that moment. Um, and I think when you look at him and his body of work more broadly as a four-time winner on tour, you know, he has the breadth of experience needed to be a major champion. I, I, I can't see why he couldn't do it. And if he's going to do it, I mean, might as well do it at Augusta. Might as well get the first major of the year, elevate his status a little bit. All right, let's debunk this, Dylan. I want, I want to ask you a couple of questions, Dylan, to debunk James's prediction. Yes. Augusta National, right? What kind of uh, what kind of ball flight typically plays well at Augusta National? Well, you know, you could argue that this is something of a myth, also. But traditionally, <laughs> it is a right to left ball flight. Daniel Berger, not a fan of the draw. Uh, really, really a fan of the fade. Really a fan of the low fade too. You know, generally it's a, it's even a high draw. Like like Rory McIlroy takes to, likes to play. Um, so there's that. Is this a bold take? He's the 20th ranked player in the world, 19th ranked player in the world. Luke, I know you are not a fan of people who just come on to this podcast and pick major winners. What are your thoughts? I basically just made an argument for a golf civil war. And James is like, up and coming good player is going <laughs> to get slightly better next year. Come on. Like, this is ridiculous. I, I thought this was a bold take podcast, not a medium face podcast. All right. So Daniel Berger, I, I pulled up the odds. Daniel Berger is listed at 40 to 1 to win the Masters. So Luke's, uh, Luke's prediction is fairly hard to wager on. Uh, James is you can make a very concrete investment. He is the uh, he's number 18 in terms of odds. He's the 18th ranked favorite, essentially, to win the Masters. He's the same as Louis Oosthuizen, Sam Burns, Scotty Scheffler, and Webb Simpson, each at that 40 to 1 number. So that kind of gives you the context of the neighborhood of, you know, where Daniel Berger is currently living. How bold is that? We need to push it further then. We need to push it further. How many strokes is he going to win by, uh, James? Well, using the Sean Zock methodology of, uh, of major champions, he's going to win by at least three strokes. I'm going to say he wins by four on Sunday with a birdie on 18. To close. All right. I'll take wow. that. Does that therefore count as multiple majors? <laughs> I believe that's still one okay. major under the, under the Zock method. I'm not, yes. I'm not hundred percent certain on that, but just, just one major for Daniel Berger, but it comes at Augusta national. It comes by three strokes or more. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. It, it, it now now it feels like it is maybe a medium you know if we're on the spicy take a meter right. you know, there's mild maybe barbecue somewhere in there there's then there's medium all right well medium medium to hot let me give some defense of my take right now i think if you lined up 10 10 golf fans on the street ask them to name 20 pga tour players daniel berger isn't one of them i think that's fair that's I don't, hurting your argument, Jay. No, no, no. It's not, <laughs> it's not hurting my argument because this is about a prediction that people aren't thinking about. It's about zagging while others are zigging. All right. <laughs> and that's exactly what I'm trying to do in this in this argument. Also, in, in defense of his game at Augusta National, I would argue it's far more important to be a ball striker than to have a specific type of shot shape that he plays i know that that is not daniel's regular game and yeah angles are important at augusta and all of that like I, i'm completely sympathetic to that argument but ultimately like you have to execute the shots irrespective of where you are i don't think that that's that his shot shape is going to be the thing that stands in the way of his winning um i i really can't see that being the case actually i mean look you you could come after me all you want for this i said he's going to be the next first time major winner i want you to take a look at the list of of players who have not won a major currently on the pga tour we're talking about i'm putting him right over your boys andrew shoffley i'm i'm having him hop a few guys in the line but i think it's i think it's perfectly reasonable he's at the point in his career right now where he's ready to take that next step but nobody is considering him to take that next step. So that's that's where I come in on this. You can you can argue with me about the Scoville unit of my take all you want. <laughs> I'm happy to, you know, I'm happy to make an argument about it. But look, that's that's where I'm coming in. You ask for a bold prediction, and that's it. It would be fun. I mean, holy cow. If you could if if 
you had the opportunity to watch Daniel Berger come down the stretch, hitting those kind of low stingers all over the place. Start dreaming about Daniel Berger straight vibing with his green jacket on his yacht. Um, what he might serve as a Masters champion, you know, for the 2023 dinner. Probably a lot of, I don't know, Southern Florida seafood somewhere some delicacies for sure yeah (laughs) it might be some gator that works its way into that menu let's move on dylan to chair my co-host uh i you know i gotta be honest i don't know if he has the strongest takes out there if i had to give him you know a prediction let's let's hear it dylan what do you have well my take is both specific and i hope bold um look right now in the in the golf world especially coming off this fall's Ryder cup we are talking about a American wave a lot of talk about look is the international team now better than the European Ryder Cup team is the President's Cup going to be more competitive than the Ryder Cup but as James is suggesting I would like to zig while the world is zagging and so I will say that Sean by the end of this year not just we won't just have the top player in the world be from Europe we will have the top three players in the world all ranked from (laughs) Europe is this just pandering yeah. to LKD so that he doesn't tear apart my take? I, th- I would say that's an added benefit. But by the end of the year, we're still going to see John Rahm at number one. He has built up a pretty sizable OWGR lead. Colin Morikawa, I'm sad to say, has peaked. Um, but we are going to see <laughs> number two, Victor Hovland, by the end of the year. And then a rejuvenated oh, yeah. Rory McIlroy is going to slide into that three hole on the strength of like a really strong fall. He's going to win at Bay Hill for sure. Uh, he's going to pick up a couple, you know, probably win at Quail Hollow by like 11. And uh, by the end of the year, that's going to be your world order. John Rahm, number one, Victor Hovland, number two, Rory McIlroy, number three. I love that trio atop. Uh, I love that take, Dylan, one of your strongest. Uh, I got bad news for you that the tour is not playing uh, at an event at Quill Hollow oh. this year other than right, the President's Cup. All right, yeah, we'll have to Cup. take that one away. <laughs> so maybe Rory will win uh, the CJ Cup you know, at Summit Club or something again. Uh, one addendum that I would like to add here, just kind of a fun aside, is that there will be no other Europeans inside the world top 25. So it's just going to be a really top-heavy squad. <laughs> Wait, who would be next? Tyrrell Hatton still kind of like slumper down Matthew Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I mean, right now that's exactly who it is. It's, it's uh Tyrrell Hatton is kind of Tyrrell Hatton, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Paul Casey are all, all lurking around, you know, the edge of that top 20. Um, I mean, that's the problem with the Euros, right? Is it's not a super deep squad uh, when it comes to future Ryder cup capabilities, but next year, there's going to be a lot of promise at the top. I, I'm excited about this take. The, on, the only thing that's going to be interesting is to see if there's a possible, you know, reshuffling of that one, two, three order. But there's no doubt that it's going to be, you know, those three guys at the top. I do like that you are basically implying that John Rommel will be number one this time next year, which we haven't seen a, you know, not necessarily every single week of the year, but year after year, generally we don't see number one. It's kind of a changing of the, of the guard annually. Typically is, but I think that, look, in this case, a lot of people will look at the rankings right now and say, John Rahm is way up there. Colin Morikawa is way up there. It's going to require some serious, uh, well, winning from a couple guys, not winning from from Morikawa, DJ. Uh, Cantlay is going to continue to have to continue to kind of just sit on his $15 million and not play a whole lot of golf. And just not play at all. Yeah. So I think that there's a few things that could help out uh, this take. And I mean, Luke, can I just kind of get your gut instinct on this? I'm not going to lie. When I thought I had an official world golf ranking take incoming, I was like rolled my eyes a little bit, but it like really developed. And I think it's a really, and I'm not just saying this because I'm obviously biased. I think it's a really bold and exciting take, especially like the, the added detail there of like Victor Hovland is number two and Rory number three, and then no other Europeans top 25. And then when you actually start thinking about it, you're like, yeah, that really, <laughs> that really is the current structure of European golfers up there in the rankings. I, I think it's a, I think it's a juicy one to be honest. Wow. 
The European endorsement. All right, that's the approval I wanted. Are you happy, Dylan? You got your European endorsement? Very happy. What do you <laughs> right, got for us, Let's Sean? move on. Let's get bold. <clears throat> I've got two takes that I think are bold that I just don't like either of them, uh, which is unfortunate, but let's just let's get through it. You know Maybe what we'll they do say, both Sean, of them. If, if, if you have two takes, you don't have one, but let's hear them anyway. Share them both, and neither will become true. Uh, there will be a career Grand Slam realized this year. That's not bold. Not bold at all. Depends on who is going to realize the career Grand Slam. Mm. Who do you think? Who do you think I'm thinking of? Well, Daniel Berger? <laughs> <laughs> not Daniel Berger. Uh, Tony Finau. No, no, you guys are not very fun in this game. Uh, <laughs> Most people would think uh, if if you're going to predict Jordan a career grand slam to be realized, so it'd be Spieth, Spieth winning the PGA. No. Maybe Rory winning the Masters. No. Maybe you're going to go crazy and predict that Phil will finally win the U.S. Open. No. No. Maybe you're thinking like Zach Johnson. Maybe he'll win the PGA and the U.S. Open, right? No, that's, that'd be pretty Are you cool. talking about Mr. Brooks uh, Kepka? Brooks Kepka is going to win the Masters, and then... He's going to win the uh, Open Championship at St. Andrews. The career Grand Slam one is particularly satisfying, especially when it's a specific twofer. So, I mean, you've got some big-time implications here in terms of Brooks Kepka's legacy, in terms of the history of golf, um, which is why, I mean, you know, you can sort of see the education of James Colgan happening before our eyes here. You kind of want that small picture and big picture uh, implication for a bold prediction at the beginning of the year. I mean, I don't know that we've seen a lot to suggest that Kepka is going to win an open championship, but maybe that's what makes it bold. Um, also, apart from waxing Bryson DeChambeau, I'm not sure we've seen Brooks in his best form recently, but again, maybe that doesn't matter. So look, I can kind of see both sides of this. I feel pretty satisfied by it though. Luke, you look a little more skeptical. I just Brooks Kepka is like just perpetually confusing to me because his like we don't see his best stuff all the time so you kind of have to bank on him showing up um which is the first obstacle and then when you think about when he is at his best like what does he do well what is his strength and rootness he's just kind of awesome everywhere and then I wonder like how's that going to pair with St Andrews which is kind of a unique test like maybe which seems to suggest someone more like like a bomber type you know but then again, like Brooks, when he shows up, is just so good from T to Green. So I, I'm waffling here because I, I'm, I don't know. Like I could see it happening, to be honest. Like uh, I'm just trying to think about how Brooks would tackle St. Andrews in which he's long, but not the longest, but not the best wedge James, player. would you like to lash out? This is your moment. Well, yes, I would like to lash out, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a point in favor and a point against your argument right now. I think the point against is a little bit more salient, but the point in favor of your argument is that I think it was three or four years ago on a golf podcast that the name is escaping me currently. Um, <laughs> Brooks said that he would win the, the Open at St. Andrews at some point in his career. He made that prediction for himself. He told me those exact words four and a half years, three and a half years ago. There, maybe it was this golf podcast. <laughs> Who knows? But he made that prediction specific to St. Andrews because of the way that sets up for his game. So, yes, I could definitely see that side of it. However, the argument against Brooks Kepka is that all four limbs are going to remain attached to his body to get him to St. Andrews. And I'm not sure that that's going to happen. In fact, there's actually an extraordinary amount of evidence that shows that that might not happen in that time. So sure. the Brooks Kepka health factor is probably the biggest thing that stands in the way of this take uh, being realized in 2022. So Let's. I'm curious to hear what is your argument in favor. Has he has he been spending time in Germany getting some sort of like special like stem cell therapy or something? Like, what is Brooks doing that's that's going to get him over the hump so that he'll be capable of playing in both those events? Very fair question. He is a big stem cell pl plasma therapy guy, so that actually checks yeah, out. Yeah, that, that's that's a fair, I guess, uh, question, James. Like like you said, uh, he did tell me and maybe he told other people, maybe it's not unique to me, but he did say that he thought he'd win at St. Andrews. So that's, we're, we're, we're putting the check in the box there. Um, 
I think he's healthier than he has been the last 12 months. I know that his health has gone up and down, but he doesn't have to really read putts all the time in the goofy, wacky way that he read putts at Augusta last year. He almost won the Masters in 2019. He actually probably, if you look at that leaderboard, the person who gave him the biggest run was not Tony Finau. It was not Frankie Molinari quite as much as Brooks Kepka was out in front of Tiger actually pushing him. You heard Brooks at the Hero World Challenge. Dylan, you were down there. I'm not sure if you were in this press conference or not, but he was asked flat out, hey, man, like, how do you get back to where you were in 2018 when you peaked? And he said, that wasn't peak. That wasn't peak Brooks Kepka. He said, just wait. I'm buying into those words that he said that day. I'm buying into what he told me four years ago. And I think it happens. And I think that uh, I appreciate that you guys think that that's a bold take because, you know, I've been running this bold take podcast for years and years now. And I was a little disappointed that James came on and just predicted Daniel Berger would win a major. All right. All right. Well, just to play Luke's advocate here, um, I I just like to say you coming on here and saying a four time major winner is going to win <laughs> two more majors isn't exactly a uh, a world beating take on on your part. I just like to say I appreciate the takeication that I've received while I've been here, but yeah, I, I just I'd like to say a few words in defense of myself there. That's the lashing out I was looking for, James. Are you guys happy with our bold takes? Do you think Luke's is the boldest? Can we agree on that? Yeah, that was a good way to start it, too, with the hottest of the takes. But so. I think there's a balance between boldest and also, like, just isn't going to happen. So Possible. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Dylan, then you win. I guess we'll, we'll have to, to see. We're going to have to see at the end of the year. If there are no Europeans in the top 10, then I'd probably lose. All right, let's 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 buy some stocks. Thank you, Dylan, for teasing out, which uh, something that I think will be a ton of fun for us this year. It is a new segment that we are calling PGA Tour Stock Exchange, PTSE for short. Uh, Dylan, I'm sure you play fantasy golf. You play in a fantasy golf league with me. One of the trickiest things about fantasy golf is that you kind of want to earn based off of how nerdy you can be. Like, I think there's value in some fantasy leagues for getting super nerdy and knowing that, you know, Cameron Young is an up and comer on the PGA tour, but there's not a ton of fantasy leagues that really pay off for knowing that information. And there's also a lot of fantasy leagues that you, you know, you have to kind of start a new team every single week. That's almost like too intense where you kind of have to be super, super involved every single week of the year. I think we have created the perfect mix of something that is golf nerdy, but also not super intense time-wise that you can devote time to it maybe five or six times a year and really build a good team. And in this case, build a good portfolio. Like I said, it is called PGA Tour Stock Exchange. This is a little bit of a hat tip to the Ryan Rossillo podcast, like we said earlier in the show. Let me break down the rules. James and Luke are still on the call. They're going to join us uh, with their own portfolios, and hopefully it'll be fun for you to listen along and even maybe build a portfolio of your own. So the rules are simple, folks. The official world golf ranking is our stock exchange. You are given $100 each to invest however you please. If you want to buy $100 worth of John Rahm, That's the most expensive stock in the market. You can be my guest. That stock is going for over $9. It's the only one goes over $9, but be my guest if that's how you want to spend your money. But every single pro golfer is a stock. Their stock price is their world golf ranking average. As you know, players play events all over the world. Their performances in those events earn them points. That is the closest reflection on how the stock market works the apple iphone comes out stock prices start to change based off of sales projections on those sales kevin kisner wins the masters suddenly his stock price is going to shoot up 80 percent what is the point of this game the point is the game of life earn the most money you can possibly earn like all businesses we are going to treat the pga tour season as a four-quarter operation q1 begins uh, with the Tournament of Champions, which is this week. It ends after Bay Hill. Q2 begins the week after that at the Players. 
during each of these transition periods between Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4. We will trade, sell, buy, hold stocks. I'm not sure if holding a stock is the proper move for you. You're trying to gain value off of these stocks, but that's your money. You do with it how you please. Right now, buying Colin Morikawa at $8.70 would basically be like buying Tesla stock. You're probably a year late in that endeavor, but you know he might still earn you 20% uh, market value. You may be wondering, Sean, like what is a good stock that performed well this past year? I think Sam Burns would have been a good stock. Sam Burns, you could have bought him for just over a dollar last year. If you bought, let's say, you know, $50 worth of Sam Burns, suddenly you're going to make five-fold profit because $5.13, that is the current Sam Burns price, all kinds of profit. You might be thinking, holy cow, probably spent a bunch of money on penny stocks, right? There's kind of a really well-known 15-time major champion whose stock is pretty low right now, 26 cents is what you could buy Tiger Woods for. Will it go up? Probably. Is it going to go up during Q1? I don't know. Who knows if Tiger's going to play an event in Q1? We don't know when Tiger's coming back. The Masters, as you may know, that's in Q2. So, Gentlemen, you can buy and own six stocks at once. You have to own a minimum of four stocks. Two of your stocks have to be within the top 30 players in the world. That's what James came up with uh, and named the PIP DAC. Like the NASDAQ, obviously different. Big-time players are big-time stocks. You need to buy a minimum two shares of two top 30 players for your portfolio to be balanced, right? We don't need this thing to be topsy-turvy with all kind of uh, I don't know, fluctuation based off of a corn fairy tour result. You need to buy a little Apple, a little Amazon stock to really balance things out. So, gentlemen, let's start by just running through who you've bought for this coming uh, first quarter of the year. Dylan, who is in your portfolio? I would like to go last. I bought a couple too many players. Yes, I forgot about the six player stipulation. God. So I'm gonna need a need what a moment a here. Start. Maybe James could lead us off instead right. while I kinda, you know, adjust my spreadsheets a bit. Youngest goes first, James. Let's hear it. My goodness. All right. Well, as with anything else, art imitates life. Um, and my portfolio uh most certainly uh is a reflection of the person that I am and also the investor that I am. So I'll break it down. I've got five stocks that I'm looking at right now, and I've broken them down into five different categories here. They are the blue chip in waiting, the startup, the sleeping <laughs> giant, the diamond in the rough, and then a fifth one that I've just called crypto. I'll explain that in a little bit. Um, yeah, but we'll start off with the blue chip in waiting. That stock is Chef. For one Scotty Scheffler, um, <laughs> he is the classic example of like the Uber stock. His stock is so high, but sure, he's never had a profitable quarter. He's never won on the PGA Tour. He's not a guy that's going to hang around for, you know, that's going to be able to do this forever. He's running on VC money. Uh, but I really believe in his potential. I think he's a guy who is uh, really on the cusp of something very special with his career. Um, when he's playing at the very top of his ability as a player, he is as good as anyone in the world. His shot making ability is next to none. Uh, he had eight top tens in 2021. That includes uh, five top five finishes, or rather does not include five top five finishes in his last, uh, or sorry, Jeez. three Jeez. top five oh, finishes in oh, his gosh. last five starts <laughs> of 2021. So he's a guy that, is very clearly trending heading into the new year. He's someone who hasn't won yet, but once he gets that victory, I think that's going to make a pretty sizable dent in his Sure. Uh, I think he's someone who's coming close to the top of that crest in his, you know, if you were looking at him as a, as a chart, <laughs> he's going to crest. All right. How many, point, how many, how many shares there. do you need? How many shares? I'm of buying five stuff? shares at uh, okay. 507 a piece for him. Okay. That'll cost you 25 dollars at this point um wait you're using the most updated rankings okay 507 25 dollars 35 cents 
Yes. Scotty Scheffler is in your portfolio. Who else is in your portfolio? All right. Number two, the startup, Matt Wolf. I'm buying 10 shares at around three bucks a piece. Um, he is the classic example of the startup. He shot to the moon off the start of his career, had, you know, was the guy that everybody knew. There was a lot of talk about him disrupting the industry as a whole and changing the way that the game was played. Uh, and then there was, you know, a little bit of a coming back to earth during the last year. He had that weird stretch where he stepped away from the game for a month. He had a bunch of miscuts, had a bunch of struggles. But then as he came back in the back end of 2021, he was one of the best players in the game. Uh, his world golf ranking, I believe, dropped uh, 15 spots. I think he went from 15 to 30 in the world in the span of this past year. There's going to be some leveling out here in 2021. He's mm -hmm. a good short-term buy. He's going to play well in this early stretch. Uh, there's no way that that I could not see Matt Wolf making a big return. And yeah, all right. all right, he's been volatile. There's some risk here. I'm willing to admit that. But look, you you gotta you gotta be willing to spend some money to make some money. You gotta be willing to incur some risk to to make something happen. So yeah, I'm rolling. Suddenly, that's 56 percent yeah. of your funds allotted. So you have about 43 dollars left over, James. Who else are you buying? I'm sticking with the with the blue chips just for a second here. Justin Thomas is my shortest term buy of this entire group. Uh, he is our sleeping giant. He's probably at the lowest hype of any point in his career right now, I would say. And he's what still in the top 15 players in the world? Is he still in the top 10 currently? It's a pricey stock. He is. Yeah, he's an expensive guy, and he's someone that I'm willing to shell out six shares at right around what is it? Holy or rather cow. four shares at six. Oh, Sorry, not six. Say, big buy. Four at six. Um, I, I really like him heading into 2021. He admitted, or heading into 2022, he admitted at the end of 2021 that his season was just not what he was anticipating. He said, you know, it was a disappointment for him. He was hoping to do a lot more and he wasn't able to, wasn't able to, you know, really perform at the level that he was hoping for. I think he's going to find a little bit more even in 2022. And also here's a little bit of a stock tip for you. He's had... <laughs> 14 wins in his PGA Tour career so far. Five of them have come in the months of January, February, and March. Love so that. If I'm picking a Q1 guy, he's the guy that I'm rolling with. Justin Thomas, four shares on that. That All brings right. me, what, like 75 bucks of my $100? Mm, a little bit more than that. By my calculations, five is Scheffler, 10 of Wolf, and four of JT brings you to $82. <laughs> okay. All right. That's that should be fine i think i'm i'm doing some quick math and no one's ever accused me of being a uh, being a math whiz just a right. financial uh superstar how far down are we going in the ranking for this next one not that much further down not that much further down i'm blue chip heavy but that's you know as i am in life i i like <laughs> i like the sure things i like people who i understand all right so my fourth share here i'm buying four shares of will zalatoris at what is it right around three bucks a share as well? Yeah. He's one of the best young players on tour. He had a runner up finish at the masters. He, you know, he's, he's the diamond in the rough. He's the guy who is probably below what his real ceiling is as a player right now in the world rankings. So I like his long-term prospects, but I also like his short-term prospects too. People forget his ranking was hurt from the fact that he was playing on conditional status on the PGA tour this past year. He's a full-time member for the first time in 2022. He's going to be playing in a bunch more events and he's going to have a lot of opportunities, particularly as we head into the summer, he'll be able to compete in the FedEx cup playoffs. If he's performing well, all of those things sort of point in the direction of Will Zalatoris being a good short-term gamble and a good long-term gamble. I think he's definitely giving his first PGA tour win this year. So I love, it. I love, it. all right. And that's my let's, diamond in the rough. Let's let's round out with your fifth stock choice here. Yeah. Who, okay. Who, so who are you spending your last $5 and 90 cents on? So I just got a phone call from a, from a friend. He says he's got a sure thing over in Europe. It's this guy <laughs> named Richard Bland. Um, I'm going in four shares if I'm capable of affording that. If not, I'll go three shares. I'm not sure what his total value. Uh, yeah, is. I think you're. I think you're gonna have to spend three dollars. All right, buddy. Well, let me explain. Richard Bland, not what anyone would think of when they think of sort of the crypto option here. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna explain to you exactly why he is crypto in my mind. 
This is I, like buying stock in Staples. I mean, this is an <laughs> unbelievable purchase. I, see, like, here's the thing. I don't understand how the hell it all works. I don't. I don't get it. It makes no. It makes no sense to me. Moreover, I'm. I'm fully understanding of the fact that the second that I make this investment, it could all evaporate in a moment. And and like he that's something quit. that I fully understand. But damn it, he performs. He performs. Take a look at take a look at his performance last year. He had the win at the British Masters. Obviously, it was an emotional first win of his career. He also finished the European Tour season with nine top tens. Nine on the European Tour. He's a guy who has been performing out of his mind for the last 12 months. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. But I got to get on the train. I got to at least see what it's about. So... That's my Dylan, last. That's my fifth. Dylan, I feel like James thinks the world golf ranking is just one page on a website. It goes much deeper than that. He stayed on the first page only. I wasn't going to invest in a penny stock, like, you know, like some sort of, uh, you know, where the value is get rich baby. quick scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm not, I'm not a shark. All right. We got to talk. Are we, are we investors or are we day traders? All right. We're believers, damn it. We are believers in every stock out there. Any pro out there who has world ranking points is something I am considering. Dylan, any other thoughts on James's portfolio? Look, it's top heavy. I mean, with a guy like Justin Thomas, you're talking about small percentage gains. It's going to be tough to really make exponential gains with a stock like that. So I appreciate the stability. You know, that's a, that's a, it's a young kid, you know, trying to make his way in the world who maybe isn't going to bring his money down to the bank. He's just going to stick it under the mattress because, you know, he's just not sure. Like what happens down there in those in those financial institutions anyway? You want to kind of keep it a little bit safe. And I respect that. Uh, well, maybe I don't respect it, but I understand it. I think after like Q, Q1, James is going to turn his $100 into $120 and he's going to be thrilled. Meanwhile... We're going to be rolling around in gold coins. Look, all I have to say is, you know, you can't win in Q1, but you can certainly lose. And I'm not going to lose you know in Q1. That's a fair point. That Let's is move very on. true. Let's move on. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to share mine. I'm not going to let Dylan or Luke talk because it sounds like, you know, Dylan's hedge fund over there is honestly in tatters. He's, he's bought he's bought up too much before we, we took press record here. I am going to transition quickly from the Bold Predictions podcast in which I predicted Brooks Kepka would win two majors. I'm going to have four shares of Brooks Kepka. He's just under $5 a stock. The divisor is on his side. This guy, in terms of world golf ranking, hasn't played the minimum number of events. So it's going to look, every time he plays, whatever it, he is going to earn from those events is going to look good for him. Like I said, he said, just wait. He hasn't reached his peak yet. I'm going with four shares only because it's it's early in the season, and I want a bigger name because we need some stability in the portfolio. I'm going with four shares also of Patrick Reed. He comes in at just over $4 a share. Patrick Reed, as you all know extremely well, he's won in Hawaii. He's won during the California swing. This man does damage. This stock often shoots up during Q1. Patrick Reed, you are in my portfolio. Now, unlike James, I am not staying in the top 100. I am diving down. I'm going to need to scroll down this list a little bit to see where my next stock is coming because BK and P. Reed, that's about $35 worth of PipDAC stocks. I am buying 21 shares of Gary Woodland. Almost a dollar and a half, Gary Woodland, as you know very well. U.S. Open champion from 2019. I'm so confident that the Woodland stock is going to shoot up this year. Probably double its value. I mean, this is a guy who's won multiple times in the PGA Tour. He, has a, he is, I think, at his peak, the kind of guy who can hang with those pip deck stocks. Gary Woodland, to the moon. Scroll a little bit further down. Steven Yeager, the pride from the Corn Ferry Tour. This guy is finally a fully-fledged member on the PGA Tour. I'm buying up 11 stocks. Yeager 
he's kind of like a new like cloud computing company, you know, kind of like Snowflake earlier this year, maybe like Slack. You kind of wish you had Slack stock before the pandemic, right? I bet you wish you had Jaeger stock, James. I bet you wish he had Jaeger stock before he wins the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Eight shares, no, excuse me, 11 shares of Steven Jaeger is going to cost me just $14. We got two more coming, a total of six stocks in my portfolio. And now we got to really scroll. We got to get outside the top 500 players in the world. Oh, excuse me, outside the top 400. Now, this is a stock I, I, I don't even know where he's going to play. The Corn Ferry Tour doesn't really get started for a couple more weeks. This guy got status on the Corn Ferry Tour by playing pretty well in college. He's a PGA Tour University graduate. He's someone who I've talked to in real life, which makes me feel just a little more comfortable about investing in him. His name is Austin Eckroat. He only has Corn Ferry Tour status, but he played a number of tour events uh, in the fall series. He played well in all of them. This is a guy who could win a couple times, I think, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Don't sleep on tiny little stocks like that, James. It's another tip I'll give to you. 33 shares of Austin Eckroat. He's costing me three dimes a share, James. 30 cents. Can you get, Can you beat that? Like, oh, man. I feel really good about that one. And then my final stock, I don't even know what to compare this to. Maybe like hmm, Motorola or something like that way back in the day. A stock that's fared well in the past isn't doing that well these days. I'm going to buy up 50 shares, 50 shares, maybe 50 and a half if I've got enough room in my $100 bank account. At 19, 19 cents a share, I'm buying Bill Haas stock. You see his World Golf page, his World Golf ranking page, a bunch of MCs. Those are not good for stock performance because that means you're trending down. Miscut, 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 miscut. Bill Haas is playing on a one-year, uh, I believe it's top 50 uh, lifetime earnings exemption. But 50 shares of Bill Haas stock is only going to cost me like $9.50. Bill Haas. He's going to get a bunch of just a bunch of tour starts. This is simply a numbers game, folks. Like he's going to play 20 times in the next year. I think this guy will turn a profit for me if he has like one top 20 performance. James, that type of stock is why you don't screw around investing a bunch of money in Will Zalatoris. You're better right. than that. I'd, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to just say if this is how the, this game is going to be played, there is going to be a run on the banks from the rest of it. That is insanity. That is absolute insanity, those selections. You're banking on penny stocks to carry you to, to the win. Have we learned nothing from, from 100 years of financial history, 120 years of financial history? This is, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very concerned by this. I'm, I'm really hoping that the other members of this, of this uh, pod can reassure me that maybe there's a little bit more sanity being involved in their picks, but just taking a look at Dylan's face right now, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Bill Haas, number one, uh, number one captain of the Bill Haas fan club. Dylan, have you figured out your portfolio? Has, has your head fund like had your morning meeting yet? Yeah. Yeah. We've had a, we've had a productive meeting there is a leaf blower next door. So I think Luke should go first. Then hopefully this guy will clear <laughs> out and then, uh, then we'll go west luke take the floor uh, yeah well i actually encountered the same issue as dylan so i would like to register a quick complaint against the uh the, whatever the sec is for these burdensome regulations that are stifling innovation in the market so um just wanted to get that on the record i also have a quick shareholders statement that i'd just like to send to my guys um L LKD LLC has employed market leading proprietary analysis to assemble a diversified portfolio of assets spanning domestic, international and emerging markets that we believe will create shareholder value in the short to medium term. So with that in mind, my portfolio, <laughs> my newly rejigged portfolio, it's uh, divided like James into four different categories. Uh, we got our blue chips, which represents about 25% of the portfolio. We got our overweight stocks or stocks, which I think are going to go up. That's it takes about 50% by our mouth of the portfolio. Wow. Uh, we got speculative stocks. That's about 21%. And then we got uh, passion picks, which is about 2%. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so with that in mind, first up in my blue chip category, I've got five shares in Tony Finau, um, or Finau, as I prefer to call him. Uh, <laughs> I, for lack of a better word, uh, like that he's learned how to win. I'm like buying into that idea more specifically. Um, if you look at like the events that are about to fall off his uh, world ranking points, they actually weren't that spectacular. So I do think there's room to grow there. And I think uh, leading into the Masters, which he usually plays, well, I know that's Q2, but you know what? Uh, he usually rounds into form around this time of season. He's learned how to win at the back end of last season. And I think when I look at the top 20 blue chip picks, he's actually the one that has potential room to grow the most. Uh, my overweight stocks, I got two of them. Uh, Corey Connors, uh, one of, one of, uh, ball, a ball striker type, hits the ball far. I got 12 shares of him at $2, or, you know, 2.6 points a share. Um, yeah, you know, hits the, hits the ball a long way. I feel like I, I'm slightly worried I'm buying. <laughs> I can see the stock going. You're buying way. late. I, I'm, a little, I'm a little wary of being late to this one. Um, but I think that he's not going to explode either way. And when you're looking for that stability for some of the others I have coming up, then I think that's, uh, I think that's, uh, that's kind of what I'm buying into a bit of insurance. My other overweight stock is Keith Mitchell, another 12 shares of him at 1.5 points. Um, so this is a guy who you've seen, and I was talking to him about this at, the, at the, an event last uh, during a FedEx Cup event, where he's popped into contention at Caves Valley and said, you know, I've been really focusing on making steady progress in my career of just one milestone after another one. And my next milestone is to be winning on tour and to pop into contention at the majors. I think he's very realistic about his goals, but when you actually hear him talk and then look at the results, you have seen that steady progression. So I think the I'm banking on that trend effectively. Wait, how many shares of Mitchell? 12, 1.5. Okay. 12. So those are my two overweight stocks. My um, speculative shares, you know, I did promise in my shareholder statement, international and emerging markets. So I wanted to buy <laughs> one of the Hogard twins. Um, Which one? That feels like a really important it's So it, I banked on both of them before, the, before the, the cops came in and busted up my portfolio. So I ended up going with uh, Rasmus simply because I liked his name a bit more than Nikolai, even though I wish I wanted Nikolai. But I got nine shares of him at 1.5. And just to put how perspective it is discerning between them, they're, they're like next to each other on the world rankings and they're twins. Like it's so, it's so difficult. But, you know, he, it, I don't know how much he's going to play in the US, frankly, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop over here for a few events. But he's going to be getting events from European tour, uh, for, from European tour events. So, um, and presumably getting in some of the big events because of it if he wants to. So um, throwing a bit of a flyer on here with nine shares, but my other speculative, my other speculative pick is Patrick Rogers, West Coast guy. Love that. Always feels like he's got more potential, potential, excuse me, than he's realized. Got nine shares of that at 0.88 a point. Um, you know, I just want to kick the tires on him. He's shown a little bit during some of these most recent, some of his most recent starts, uh, West coast guy, wouldn't be surprised to see him pop up the waste management and, and win. If not, I'm going to cut my losses after Q1 ends. And then finally, my, my, my passion oh God. pick, oh God. I've got eight shares and a guy at 25 cents, Luke Donald. Okay. My namesake. Now I've been hearing through the grapevine that Luke Donald has been doing some sneaky speed training, okay? And not just that, it's been working. He's been hitting new heights. He's hitting it further now than when he was world number one in the when he was world number one. So if world number one's the potential ceiling here, um, but you know, I think- Luke, I got, I got bad news for you, Luke. <laughs> what? Remember one of the stipulations of this game is that you had to have two shares minimum of two players in the pip deck. I got five shares of oh, two players minimum. Okay, I'll split them up then. But let me rejig this real quick. You're um, gonna have to give up another stock, six six maximum. All right. Okay. I'll. Oh, fuck it. This. Is, what, what are we? What are we doing here? This is supposed <laughs> to be. We're trying to like innovate in this market, and we're going. We've got the freaking uh, Gestapo coming and tearing up our portfolios. He hates the rules. All these rules that were emailed to you guys. Last week, is that uh, correct? 
it's a, it's sad to see you know a lover of the free market like luke sort of like you know boxed in like this in real time all right so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna rejig my portfolio in real time here i'm gonna ditch i'm not ditching keith mitchell sorry i, I may have, have to... to ditch Corey connors just for a higher ranked player yeah I'll ditch Corey Connors. Well, will you give me an exemption? And will I be allowed to use Corey Connors as my blue chip selection? Wow. Or is this, is this uh, are we not granting exemptions? Yet? Where is Corey Connors currently ranked in the world? He's ranked 38th. What does the, what does the group say? No. <laughs> Damn it. Sort of just violates one of the very basic rules of the game here. <laughs> Should have been nicer to you all earlier for your lukewarm takes. I should have been like, "Oh, that's a great take, James." <laughs> Luke, we'll let you. We'll let you update it as all Dylan right. shares his his let, updated portfolio with this. You've got a little right. work. I've to been do. okay. Let me revise my portfolio after Dylan. I'll come back and have it sorted out. All right, Dylan. Let's hear it. All right, guys. Um, well, I've got a couple in common with the rest of you and then uh, a few newbies. So my blue chippers, I'm going with Matthew Wolf. The stipulation was top 30. He does sit number 30 right now. Uh, I'm going to pick up six shares of Wolf at 309 per share. Uh, so that puts me at about, you know, 18, 18 and a half percent of the portfolio. Next up, Patrick Reed, who, wow. as we said, can be a solid Q1 stock. He has, uh, you know, found a way to, to dig up some points and <laughs> Torrey Pines, among other places. Patrick Rogers, as Luke just mentioned, Wait, I how think much, is... how much Reed stock? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> just three shares of Reed. We're not heavily invested in Reed. Okay. So we're, we're about 30% invested in the, in the blue chippers. Patrick Rogers is my next guy. I think, you know, if you don't know what you got till it's gone... Patrick Rogers maybe didn't know how good he had it until he lost his PGA <laughs> Tour card for a second, but now won it back. As Luke said, I mean, there's no question that the, the ceiling is there, the game, the potential all exists. I'm going to pick up 30 shares of Patrick Holy Rogers God. stock Deep Raj, at 87 or 88 cents uh, per share. Then I've got a couple PGA Tour rookies. I, I was you know, really staring down this list of tour rookies. There's a bunch of guys that have gotten some attention. Uh, these guys are maybe a little more under the radar. First, uh, Sahith Thigala, whose name I, I always butcher, but yep. <laughs> uh, I will I will invest 30 shares oh boy. Uh, at 43 cents per share. So we're really buying low there. This is a guy that's going to probably play a bunch. Um, he was a terrific college player. He's going to be good on tour. He's already shown that he can, you know, make some cuts. And then Taylor Pendrith, the big hitting Canadian. 35 shares of Taylor Pendrith stock at 79 cents a share. Uh, I'm, this is my, by far my biggest position. I guess Pendrith and Rogers are both pretty big positions, but. You've been We're talking, talking about, about this stock for years. I mean, I wish I'd bought much, much lower. At this point, I mean, you could have gotten Pendrith stock it, under a dime a couple of years ago. This guy is a PGA Tour rookie. He's not young. You know, he's, I think he's about 29 years old, big hitting Canadian, the longest player I've ever seen in person. <laughs> um, so that's five stocks, Sean. I think that gets us up, you know, just wait, over wait, the $97 wait. mark. Yeah, just over $98. Okay. And I would I would like to fill in uh, the remaining stock. Uh, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. Oh we'll God. call this uh, something of a meme stock. We're buying low on a fella named Martin Trainer, who you may have heard of, former Drop Zone guest. Is there a conflict of interest here? Arguably. There's going to be talk of insider trading. Uh, I hold some you know equity, actually, in Martin Trainer LLC. He's coming in at just under 24 cents a share. So we can afford Martin Trainer. We're going to yeah, get just a get couple bucks of half, Martin. You can get seven and a half shares of the guy. I'd love to. Um, <laughs> you know, this is more of a, it, some folks are comparing it to like a Dogecoin. 
uh, and we're just hoping that you can get up to a dollar there. That would be a pretty significant return. That's my portfolio. You're probably looking in terms of the, the trainer world on just like one week splashes. Not, not we know sustained. he's going to play. We know he's mostly replacing MCs on that world ranking card. Um, so, you know, any news is good news, really on that front when you're you know, when you're checking those earnings reports really anything that shows up is going to be a positive it's good to see you just buying up stocks that you know well Bar- buying up martin trainer you've played played you've competed against taylor pendrith you've you know had the golf magazine cover jinx uh, the past 12 months on matthew wolf i know. think it's gonna lift just in time here <laughs> all right luke can we get you to quickly Update your portfolio. Right, what have you quick, done with the Corey Connors stock? Quick update. Sold, well, you know, was forced to sell my Corey Connors <laughs> stock. I uh, replaced it with some DJ stock. I was going to wait to try to buy him in, the, in uh, QT, wow. but I'm just going to get ahead on it now. May take a short-term loss, but I believe in its long-term value and All position. in on Dustin Johnson. You so we got get two, about two shares of DJ. So in two, a quick update. Two, two okay. shares of DJ, five shares of Tony for now. 16 of Mitchell, 12 of Hogard, Rasmus Hogard, uh, 16 of Rogers, and then 10 of Donald. 12 of Hogard. How much of, of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood? 16 of Rogers. So about half of Dylan's position, which um, I, I, I'm actually quite bullish on, on, it, on him now. I was a little worried about him, but seeing Dylan stake such a big bet uh, feels like we're, you know, we're both Sort of wait, how many Luke Donald? <laughs> and, ten, and 10 of Luke Donald's. A speedy, speed training Luke Donald ready to light up the early part of the tour and get in the last Wow. Well, gentlemen, thank you for sharing in this wacky, wacky game that I'm sure did not make for good audio, but hopefully people at home will be able to enjoy checking the stocks that we bought, maybe buying stocks of their own. If you have you know, a portfolio that you'd like to create. Remember, maximum six, minimum four. Two of them got to be top 30 players. We had a couple people on this call, insert Matthew Wolf in the most updated Pip DAC, which he was not a top 30 player a week ago. Anyways, uh, thank you all for joining the Drop Zone today. Thank you to Luke and James for calling in during the busy holiday season. And uh, Q2 is only a couple months away. 